Welcome to Crime Wire, a program dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved crimes and educating the public about various types of crimes and how to avoid becoming a victim. If you'd like to submit a case to Crime Wire or suggest a topic for a future show, please email us at thenewcrimewire at gmail.com. Oh, you can also like us on Facebook at The New Crime Wire. On July 30th, 1975, Teamsters Union President Jimmy Hoffa called his wife, Josephine, from a payphone in Bloomfield Township, Michigan, to say he had been stood up at an afternoon meeting with two mobsters, and then he vanished. Forty-two years later, the question of what happened to Jimmy Hoffa remains unanswered. My name is Denny Griffin, and on today's show, my co-host Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com and I are joined by Michael Yarborough, a retired Michigan corrections officer. Michael says he was in Detroit on July 31, 1975, and saw Hoffa murdered and knows where his remains are. Michael felt his own life was in danger and hit from a potential killer stalking him on a construction site. Michael, welcome to CrimeWire. Well, thanks a lot there, Denny. I appreciate appreciate being here. Uh, let's begin with what you were doing on July 31st, 1975, and exactly what you saw. Okay, in July 31st, 1975, I was... Uh, I was getting ready. I just got through graduating from Benson Harbor High School. I was 17 years old at the time. After I graduated, uh, my sister told me, well, after my birthday, actually, July the 10th, my, my sister called and wished me a happy birthday and everything. And she told me she was living in eastern Michigan with my older, my oldest brother out of 18 of us uh, and his wife. So she told me she had graduated out of Fair State and... 1975 and me and my other sister was at Ferris Speed in 75. So I came up to Detroit from Ferris in October. I mean, not October, but in just, I had first came to Detroit in July. See, that's how I got confused before. I had first came to Detroit in July of 31st of 1975, right after my sister told me that they had plenty of jobs up here in Detroit. So I came from Ben Harbor and met her in, in Inkster. And as I was sitting there watching TV over my brother's house, uh, they said on the news that they were hiring down at um, the Renaissance Center, which is now known as the General Motors headquarters. So I came, I went downtown in Detroit to the Renaissance Center. I parked my green Firebird Pontiac in this uh, parking structure. They had, it's the only building that they have where you can park inside and shop at the same time. You can park your car, walk through a door and go into a mall. Car, I went on the first floor and I asked the security guard, uh, where is Clean America, which is a temporary employment agency. And they were hiring for security. You know, they want, at the time they were, they had said on TV that they want everybody in Metro Detroit to come down to the Renaissance Center because they had jobs openings and they wanted to fill those job openings for 1976 when they had the, uh, their grand, they were going to have a grand opening to, to, uh, for the completion of phase one uh, construction of the building. Phase two was getting ready to start up at that same time, which was where Hoffa was getting buried at. But anyway, I asked the security guard, 
where it was clean America, he said, go down the escalators, make it right. So I went down the escalators and for some odd reason, I, I made a left and that took me to tower. You got five towers in this building. You got tower 100, 200, 300 and 400. And you got the center tower, which is the tallest hotel in the world. It used to be the Hilton Inn, but now it's called the Marriott. But I went through Tower 200, and then I said, well, this don't look right. It was it was empty pretty much because wasn't nobody, you know, it was, they had just built it. So I went on over to Tower, three, uh, tower 300, and I saw this construction uh, site here where it said, do not enter hard hat and all that. Uh, at that time, I heard somebody screaming for help, loud. So I'm thinking maybe a construction worker got hurt or something. I just wanted to see curiosity, you know. So I went on through there where I was not supposed to be going. It said, do not enter. So I saw these yellow lights hanging and, 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 and this eight-foot fence. I'm 6'5", so the fence had to be about eight foot high. And as I looked up over this eight-foot fence, there was there was dust and, and people were brrr, drilling. They tried, one guy tried to drown Hoffa out, you know, because he started drilling at the same time Hoffa was screaming for help. So, and I still could hear him yelling help. But as I looked up, you know, I'm, I'm standing here at this eight-foot fence. I'm looking up about maybe 24 feet up in the air, and there's this dirt. You know, it's like it, it's the parking area now, but... At the time, it was like a hill with dirt, you know, coming off of Bobian Street, which is right there adjacent to uh, East Jefferson. Uh, the, the trucks and everything was coming in there, the cement trucks and everybody. And also the, the burgundy car was sitting behind Hoffa, and the cement truck was sitting behind Hoffa as these two men had him by the arms. One had his right arm, the other one had his left arm. And he was the shorter guy in between these two monsters. You know, they had the black suit on, a black black tie, the white shirt, the John Belushi glasses, the black shoes. So as he was yelling, they pushed him into this, this big pillar, man. It's like a 24-foot tall pillar, and you know, it had wood wood around it with these metal, wood planks around it with these metal straps to hold the, hold the wood, you know, for the, for the formation of the, of the pillar. So they pushed him in this pillar. And I noticed that the drop that he fell was no more than maybe about, uh, I would say, six feet, six to eight feet deep. Because in those pillars, they design them every six to eight feet, you know, as far as pouring the concrete up. You know, and that was the last part of that pillar that they had to pour. And they put him in there. It was like his grave. You know, so they pushed him in there. There was a cement truck. All of a sudden, the ball started turning real fast. And I, I noticed the gurneys that were going from the cement truck all the way to that hole. And the cement just rushed down on top of him. And he's been there ever since. You know, he, they buried him alive. So as, as this was happening, that was the last thing I saw happen was the cement go in the hole. I looked to my right as I'm standing here looking over this 8-foot fence and I'm 24 feet up in the air. Here comes a, a third person, a mobster, come up to me with the same identical clothes on and the John Belushi glasses. He took his glasses off, looked at me directly in my eyes, and he had these killer eyes. I mean, I could tell he had to kill several people, and I was going to be next. He said, you better keep moving or you're going to be next. I said, you ain't got to worry about me, man. I threw my hands up in the air, and I said, I'm out of here. 
So as I walked away, I walked away maybe about 15 feet from him. And some told me, just look over my shoulder, and here he comes. He was coming full force after me. So I started running. <laughs> so I ran to Tower 400, which is the Marriott. Well, back then it was a Hilton. I mean, it was the Western, not the Hilton, the Western Inn. Correct that. It was the Western Inn back then. And now it's the Marriott. I went into the restroom area because I saw a sign saying men and women's restroom. So I ran in there and got on top of the first toilets uh, that I could see. It was like 12 toilet stalls in there at the time. Now it's only like five to eight toilet stalls. They, they tried to change everything around and throw me off pretty much as to where this man is at. They spent millions to try to uh, 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 refigure that building to try to, uh, confused me as to where he's at. And they even blocked off the area where he's at. You got to have a card to swipe to get in and have permission from General Motors to get in that area now. So it's really crazy. And, it, and lately they've even blocked off the whole parking lot on on the east side of the building. You can't use the one parking garage now, and that's on the west side of the building. So they're they trying to disguise everything around Hoffa's uh uh, 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 remains where nobody will be able to even think about trying to figure out where he's at. But lo and behold, I'm still living and I know exactly where he's at. I don't care if they revamp the whole building. That pillar's still going to be right there. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be right yes. there. It's going nowhere. Now, if they cut him out of there, that would be a miracle. But right now, elevators are going up and down beside him every day, you know, in Tower 300. Elevators going up and down, up and down. And it's sad, you know. So the guy came and getting back to the bathroom when I was on the stall, I was shaking like Don Knotts on top of the toilet and I was peeing on myself. That's how scared I was. And then I looked up underneath the, the thing, you know, there's a about a half a foot uh, 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 under, that, under that stall where you can see. So I saw his black shoes walk in too. He stepped there at the door and then he stood there about three seconds and turned right around and went out. So I'm scared. I'm like, well, is this, you know, I'm scared. I'm thinking he's probably out in the hallway sitting in the bathroom waiting on me. So I decided to come on out and I looked around the corner from the bath in the bathroom door and he was not around. So I went on out to Tower 400 outside to Atwater, which is over by the Canadian Tunnel, Canadian, Canada. And this Burgundy 1975, uh, uh, Marquise was coming around the corner on Atwater Street real slow, real slow with the lights on. So I ran back in the building, you know, in the Tower 100 and got on the toilet again. And I stayed in there for maybe 20 minutes. And then I finally decided to come out and go get back in my Firebird Pontiac and go back to Inkster. As soon as I got to Inkster, I told all my, my people, my sister, my brother, my oldest brother and his wife, what had happened. And they told me to leave it alone because... It, they don't want to, you know, endanger our family or myself. So I left it alone. You know, it, it took a long time. It took all the way up until 1982 before I told my, my sister's second husband. She, she was married to a, a Detroit police officer at first. I told him about it in 1977. Uh, he was the first law enforcement officer I told about Hoffman in 77. And then he told me the same thing. Mike, leave it alone, man. You know, it's too it's too dangerous. You know, and then shortly after that, the uh, the mob killed his father. He was he had a 
he had a trucking company, and he didn't want to merge with the Teamsters. So he was killed in his secretary, too, in 1980. So now it's getting too close to home for me. You know, I'm really scared. I've seen Hoffa get killed. He's the union president over the Teamsters, and a brother-in-law's brother in his in his. I'm thinking, well, maybe they maybe they coming at me next, you know, or somebody. And I'm really scared. So after the years went by, all the way up until 2002, I finally decided to go to the FBI. Well, actually, before that, in the 90s, I, I had I talked to uh, a couple of guys that are state troopers, Michigan State troopers, that I went to school with in church, and they told me uh, that's when I, I was told. Mike, this is bigger than the both of us, man. You know, if I were you, I'd leave that alone. I sure hate to read about you floating down the Detroit River head first, you know. So I left it alone. Back in the nineties up and then when I went off I went off on leave of absence from my job, I got kind of tight for some money, you know, because there's a two hundred thousand dollar reward for the first person that find Hoffa's remains. So I decided I'd go to the FBI and try to get this money, you know, and bring some closure to the Hoffa family and myself as well. So I, after I went down there, I gave the FBI Detroit improper information. I told them that I thought he had got killed October the 9th of 1975. But after I took an interview with Cynthia A. Johnson on 1440 AM radio, her and Tanya Britt, her friend, actually helped me to remember, which is stupid on my behalf, exactly what day it was. It was July the 31st, 1975, and I thought it was October the 1st of 1975. Not, You know, I had forgot I had came to Detroit twice that year. The, the first time, right after I graduated from high school, uh, June the 5th of 1975, and then my birthday came around July the 10th, 1975. I turned 18, and my sister said, Mike, she called me and wished me a happy birthday. And she said, Mike, why don't you come up here to Detroit? There's plenty of jobs up here. You know, they're hiring in the factory. I work it. She worked in the factory, you know. She had she was security for the factory, and then she moved on up to procurement and all that. But she graduated with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, so she was in security for General Motors. So she got me into Plant 3 in 1977. I worked there for about three minutes, got fired. So, you know, I mean, at least I had got a job, you know. But the saga continued from 1975 all the way up until today, man. You know, I'm just, I'm still wondering why the FBI won't, won't, won't listen to my tip. And then I got a second witness, Marvin Elkins, Hoffa's limo driver, a slash police FBI informant slash boxer in uh, Ontario, Canada. He can, he's saying the exact same thing I'm saying, but he just heard from Anthony, uh, the mob boss, uh, to, uh, Anthony, Tony Jack guy Cologne that uh, after they had a meeting at the Omni hotel, a mob meeting, which uh, Elkins is a part of mob too. Uh, he told the FBI that he heard uh, Anthony, Tony, Jack, Guy, Cologne say, say hello, say good morning to Hoffa boys, you know, as they was crossing over this uh, catwalk from the Omni Hotel back then. It's the Marriott Hotel now. <clears throat> but it's just adjacent across Jefferson in front of the Renaissance Center. They were coming from a meeting, and they walked across the catwalk. And as they got closer to the Renaissance Center, 
as uh, as as Elkins was giving him a lighting his cigar, he said, "Say good morning to Hoffa, boys." You know, as he was pointing over to Tower Three Hundred. So Marvin, he was there working for some odd reason for the Teamsters that year. He can explain to you why there was such a mad rush for concrete and everything. I don't. I guess because they had to cover up Hoffa. But anyway. There was a mad rush for concrete, but I was standing right there and seeing it. You know, Marvin is just a, he's just an ear witness. I'm an eye ear witness. I stood there. I was threatened. I was almost abducted and killed. I ran from the mob. And shortly after that, you, uh, uh, in the 78, I was actually followed by Anthony Tony Jack Guy Cologne on Fort Street, right in front of the mob's headquarters. I was walking down Fort Street on my way to Wayne County Community College to if I could enroll in school, and I looked over my shoulder again, and this is the second time I looked over my shoulder, and the mob's following me. So Anthony Guy Cologne, he was he was walking behind me, and then he turned sideways and pulled out his news, opened up his newspaper, and act like he was reading the newspaper with his head down. He, some reason or another, he thought, or he somebody had told him that I'm the person that was in that building when Hoffa got killed. Now, I tried to do my research to see if they had cameras back in the Renaissance Center back then, and they did, but they were belt, they were, they were uh, beta, beta type uh, uh, security cameras. So I, I tried to get the footage from back then uh, from General Motors, and they told me that they don't even keep uh, uh, camera footage even on microfilm back that far. So I was out of luck trying to see if I could. They could see me walking through the building at that particular time. So as far as anybody believing me, I'm having very, very much difficulty in that happening because, for one, when I went to the FBI, I told them the wrong date. I told them October of 1975, but it was July. So they told me my story wasn't credible enough. But I kept going down there, and I gave them the correct information, and then finally they told me, I gave him the correct date, July the 31st, 1975, and explained to the FBI uh, what had happened and who helped me refresh my memory after all these years. And they still haven't done nothing to try to help this man, uh, uh, family, uh, find their father. And then the, the funny part about this, I've been trying to contact uh, Hoffa's uh, sister, I mean, Hoffa's daughter and son. And his uh, Hoffa's junior secretary told me about three weeks ago, that um, he's not interested in finding uh, finding his father anymore, you know. But before that, he told me that the FBI told him to refer everybody to the FBI. So that's the problem, you know. The FBI don't want to find him. I don't know if there's an executive order from Richard Nixon not to find this man because he had involvement in Watergate and trying to get the pension funds through Fitzsimmons, or or he just they just don't want. Uh, President Nixon to be a disgrace twice. You know, he was a disgrace once with Watergate. He tried to get a million bucks from Fitzsimmons to, for hush money. And now this, you know, and all this was happening at the time. Watergate was happening during the time when Hoffa came up missing. You know, President Nixon uh, had pardoned Hoffa out of prison on the note that he wouldn't run for Teamsters president again until 1980. But Hoffa was so headstrong, man. He wanted to have that power back. He had over a million Teamster members, the biggest union organization in the world. And he wanted that power back. So, 
and by him beefing with uh, Tony Provisano out of New Jersey, Tony didn't forget that. You know, they got to fighting in prison. Tony didn't forget that, you know, and him and Tony, he thought Tony was his friend. Tony Provisano, the, the mob boss in, in New Jersey, but he wasn't. You know, so he was supposed to meet with Tony Provisano and, and Anthony Tony Jack Guy Cologne at the Marcus Red Fox on the 30th of July, but they never showed up. But who did show up, I believe, was uh, uh, Hoffa's stepson. You know, it had to be somebody close to him to befriend him to get in that car for them to kidnap him. You know, so I believe it was, it couldn't have been nobody else but Chucky O'Brien, and that's who the FBI was suspecting all along. Because Chucky dropped the car off to uh, uh, to uh, the henchmen. I'm not going to tell you their names because one of them is still living. But he dropped the car off to one of those guys, or all it was at least three of them, because two of them had him by the arms, and the other one came and approached me. I think he was a lookout man. You know, he was a he was a hit man too. But anyway. I don't want to discuss his name because he's too old to be locked up in prison and he, you know, he's ain't nobody going to convict him for the crime, but it's, it's not a matter of who done it right now. It's a matter of where's the body. And that's my point. You know, I'm trying to convince the FBI to go in this building. I got a, I got a private investigator down in Florida that's willing to come up here with, with a, with a, a crew, to do a non-intrusive search in the building. You don't have to do no digging or nothing. Just come in there and see the void. Once they see that void in the, in that concrete, then they'll know there's something there. Then they can drill in there for DNA. But I can't get General Motors to even allow me to even go in and shoot a film. They say I got to have $5 million insurance before I can even do a movie shoot in their building. So it's really, really difficult to do anything as far as a search without a warrant. And the only people who have jurisdiction over a case is the FBI. No other agency can handle it, can touch it. Michigan State Police, Wayne County Sheriff, Detroit PD, nobody can touch it but the Federal Bureau of Investigation in Detroit. And those are the ones who are doing absolutely nothing. I've talked to the task force down there several times to the point where they told me to cease and desist. I went down there five times and interviewed with two agents. I drew a map, told them where he was at and everything. The first time I drew the map, I had the wrong tower. I had Tower 400. But like I said, Cynthia A. Johnson on 1440 AM radio and Tanya Britt, she's a, she was over the examiner.com. She wrote a story about me, too. Uh, and then they shut down. examiner shut down shortly after that. Like three months after my article came out, the examiner shut down no longer exists no more. And I don't know if it's because of the Hoffa story or what, but as I did my research about the examiner, they told me online that uh, the head guy that created the examiner was talking about switching over to another company anyway. So I talked to Tanya uh, about two weeks ago, and she said they may or may not pick up my story through that new company, but everybody's sitting back waiting for them to pick up all the other articles that examiner had put out. They haven't done that yet. You slick, if you click on my article in examiner.com about corrections officer, uh, saw Hoffa, uh, know where Hoffa's remains are, you won't get nothing but a blank page, you know, because you can't pull it up. But luckily, I printed it out. So if you need that information uh, one day, the only thing that was different on that was October instead of July. I had told them in, in the examiner that it was October. That was before I got a clear understanding through Tanya 
and Cynthia, who chewed me out royally and threatened to lock me up if I was lying to her. She said, <laughs> I would personally, she said, I would personally have law enforcement lock you up if you're lying to me. And I, now, mind you, Cynthia is an ex-corrections officer as well, and she went to probation parole. So we're we're in pretty good standing as far as credibility is concerned. You know, I wasn't worried about her having me locked up, telling the truth or lying. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm not I'm not lying. She know I'm not lying uh, because I wouldn't been a corrections officer if I was lying. You know. Let me uh, let me ask you this, Michael. So in 2002, when you approached the FBI, it was more of a financial thing. Uh, because you were uh, you needed some money and you you knew there was a reward two hundred grand, uh, right. but now fifty fifteen years later, uh, you have retired and you're getting a, a you know your pension and so forth. Uh, so money isn't as critical today as it was back in two thousand two, um, and, and right now your main motivation is to try to uh, get closure for. For the Hop, uh, the Hoffa family and yourself, and money is more of a secondary uh, exactly. motivation. Am exactly. I correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. You know that was what motivated me to come forth to the FBI in 2002, in November, uh, because I was I was hurting for money. I had went off on stress leave and everything because of my back injury and everything, and and several uh, a couple of other factors. I got pulled over by. Uh, one, county sheriff i didn't stop immediately so he slapped a uh 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 any looting charge on me i had to go to court and was found guilty for that so you know i had to get that off my record you know so i but now you know i'll, I'll be able to go back to work if i want to because i found out that michigan state of michigan needs uh needs uh corrections officers that's retired to come back in and train other officers so uh, next year I might go back to work and I can still keep my pension. So that's a that's a plus. Absolutely. Now, but, Michael, uh, did the FBI when when you went to them in 2002 or at any point since you've been dealing with them, did they uh, ask you if there were any other people uh, who you talked to immediately after? July 31st of 75, uh, that could corroborate your story. In other words, uh, you said you talked to some of your family members and so forth about it. Did they ever, did the FBI ever talk to them? Were they they verified? No, no, they didn't. And I think that's kind of stupid because for one, uh, one of my brother-in-laws was Detroit PD. They didn't never talk to him. And for two, uh, my second brother-in-law, Wayne County Sheriff, they never talked to him. You know, I gave uh, I gave them the information on who I talked to and everything before and I came into their when I went to when I went to their interview at the at the office in 2002. I told them everybody I talked to. I even told them about the state troopers and gave them their names. Both state troopers and three state troopers, not two, but three that I went to church that, with and graduated that, with. That seems odd to me. Uh, it just seems though that uh if if they're if they're trying to uh verify your your veracity your truthfulness that certainly when you gave them the names apparently of several people that you had previously told about what you saw closer to the time it happened uh you know that they would want to talk to these people to you know did you, you would think. 
you know, and verify. I don't understand. That's, that's, that's understand. what that's what make me think is a major cover up going on. Somebody's hiding something, man. They got to be. Um, they didn't even they didn't even take it, the initiative to even even though I gave them the wrong date, October instead of July. They still had enough information to do, you know, they follow up on their investigation and see without telling the truth. They they just ended it saying your story ain't credible enough. But they believe 15 mobsters digging and <laughs> spent 3.5 million of our tax dollars for nothing. And each time they dug, I called the FBI and told them, I said, hey, y'all just wasting your time, energy and resources. Don't do it. Don't dig there. Come down here in Detroit. This is where he's at. They went ahead and dug anyway. Several times, believing mobsters. Each time they believe a mobster. Now, here I am telling them again where he's at, and a mobster is telling them the exact same thing, Marvin Elkins, and they still don't believe me, even though a mobster is telling them again. So I don't, I don't understand uh, what's the cover-up all about. The the <laughs> other thing, in addition, in addition to... Uh, you know, maybe uh, to talking to the people that that you had told about it at the time. Uh, did they ask you to take a polygraph? They told me I could take a polygraph, but I got to take it at my own expense. I don't have. I got to take an independent what? polygraph. They don't want to take a polygraph for me. I, I've tried to get them to do that several times. I tried to get law enforcement, retired law enforcement officers, to take a polygraph for me, and they won't do it. They they say it's a conflict of interest. I got to take an independent uh, polygraph. If I'm going to take a polygraph, yeah, you got to do your an own. independent polygraph. Yeah. And that costs 500 bucks that I don't have. You know, I, I've had it, but uh, I, don't, well, I just don't have it. I don't have it. And what I, good would it do I, anyway? They're still not going to believe me. But maybe uh, they will. If I ever come up with 500 bucks, I'd be more than happy to take a polygraph immediately. Ain't nobody going to well, spot me 500 bucks. Nobody. You know, what's. Uh, to to me, it, it it seems as though that they the the FBI would would polygraph you as just part of their investigative process, trying to verify again, trying to verify again. your credibility. Uh, I, I don't really understand why you've got to take your own polygraph at your own expense. I don't either. <laughs> What, what is really uh, well, going on here? I mean, what is really going on? I mean, what are they hiding? I'm, I'm, I'm willing, so, willing and able to do whatever they want me to do. To, to, I'm willing, willing and able to, to lead them by the hand and take them to the area where he's at. Everybody else did, uh, and they went. They won't go for me. So what uh, your current relationship with the FBI, then, isn't that great, right? It's... Uh, they're well, no, because they, they told me to cease and desist, you know, and they told me if I come back down there again, they're going to lock me up. I, I find that very interesting as well. You know, lock me up for what? I'm trying to let y'all know where a man has been murdered, and I know where he's at, and y'all are talking about locking me up. For what? Because <laughs> I'm coming down yeah, here trying to let y'all know where the man got killed at? And, I mean, I just don't get it, man. It's like I'm in the twilight zone or something, you know? Yeah, it really I, is, man. Uh, it really is. It's, 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 it's really a lot disturbing of questions. Me. Yeah, there's and, and, a lot of questions need to be answered. Yeah, you know, and I'm getting older and older, man. I just turned 60 last Monday on the 10th. You know, I'm not going to be around here much longer. Everybody, I'm the last person to know where the man's at, if anybody else knew it all, other than yeah. Marvin and me. 
Me and Marvin. Marvin's uh, almost 82 if he's not already 82 now. I just turned 60. Uh, now, you, you've been on other other radio shows, and you're on, on with us now. Uh, what is it you hope to accomplish through your appearance here and in other shows and so forth? What, what would you like to have, have happen? I would like for someone to to demand that the FBI go in the Renaissance Center, the General Motors headquarters, and let me take them to exactly to the crime scene where this man is at to get some closure. That's all. It's real simple. We walk in the building, and I show them where he's at. They do their due diligence. You know, I got a, I got a private eye in Florida that just told me through the uh, Archangels of Justice, uh, uh, Mr. Rastrali, he said he'll come up here with the team free and do a do a non-intrusive search, and, and we'll find the void, and we'll get the man out of the building, and we got a historical case closed. But nobody want to do that. Nobody. I can't get anybody to talk to the FBI to do anything. Nobody. I can't even get law enforcement, my people, to talk to them to do anything. They just think I'm – most people think I'm crazy, you know, which – I would probably think, too, if somebody was telling them that they saw Jimmy Hoffa get killed. You know, I mean, I probably would think he was crazy, too. But guess what? I'm not. And I actually saw him get killed. And I can prove it. I can put my money where my mouth is if I had it. I just don't have the money to do it. You know, I don't even have $500 to take a polygraph. But guess what? I'm ready, willing, and able to do it any time. I do it today. If somebody said, hey, Mike, here's 500 send it to directly to the polygraph examiner. I meet him at whatever time he wants to take the test. And maybe that might help uh, the FBI, you know, believe me. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, it's, uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I got to say I would think it would be the FBI's uh, responsibility. They've spent over $3 million bucks on this deal, so what's another you know what? I don't know what it would cost them to have their own polygraph people do it. But you know, these people are on the payroll already. So what is the, you know, what's the well, deal? That, that's why I came to you, Denny, because I was hoping that maybe you could put a bug in their ear and make them persuade them, or you might know somebody that can persuade the Detroit FBI because they're the ones under the jurisdiction of Hoffa's case to do something. I mean, they're sitting down there eating donuts and digging up their behind, man, and, and, and they're not doing what they're supposed to do. You know, I even got my, my, my better half, she's got a relative that's an FBI agent. And she don't want me to tell anybody, but, you know, I talked to her. I sit down and talk to her, and she she don't even want to touch it. You know, I'm like, what is really going on, man? I mean, like she's going to jeopardize her job or something, you know? We, we all work in law enforcement together, I thought. I worked hand-in-hand hand with the FBI when I was in corrections, state police when I was in corrections, the sheriff department when I was in corrections. And I never thought I'd, I'd live to see the day where the very people that I want to be like would cross me out, you know, and say that I they don't believe me and I'm not credible enough. I never thought this day would ever happen, but it did. Well, I got to tell you, Michael, I, I think that uh, with minimal effort, uh, the FBI could do a lot more to verify your credibility or discredit, you know, whatever. But, but get or to discredit, the right. Of, uh, of they, 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 did, they did more discrediting than they did uh, trying to credit me. As a matter of fact, they didn't do anything to try to credit me. Nothing. Zero. 
that's why I'm thinking, well, maybe it's a cover-up. You know, and why is it a cover-up? I know Nixon derailed some things. They wanted to send him to to the federal uh, uh, courthouse here in Detroit to testify whether or not he knew anything about Hoffa's disappearance. And he derailed it, you know, some kind of way. He wiggled his way out of it. But I think the reason why they're doing it, based upon the fact that Nixon celebrated and stuff at a at a, at a mob resort golf course when uh, when after Hoffa got killed in October of 1975, he celebrated. They, they all got together, Teamsters, the mob, and, and Nixon, and went to play golf at a mob-owned uh, uh, golf course in California. So that let me know right there that everybody's happy that he's dead, you know? The mob, yeah. the Teamsters in in, in uh, uh, the White House, you know? Everybody's yeah, happy that he's gone. Hoffa apparently was uh, not popular with several different people <laughs> in order yeah, he wasn't, po- he wasn't popular with John F. Kennedy. He wasn't popular with his, his brother, Bobby. You know what I mean? He was feuding with him. Hoffa no. was. He was feuding with all of those uh, people. And, 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 and he was feuding with Nixon because he, Nixon told him, uh, don't run for Teamsters president until 1980. He wanted to run in 1975, right after he got pardoned out of prison. Fitz Simmons put a bug in Nixon's ear to, to let him go. Fitz Simmons took the place of Hoffa while he was locked president. And he was the one giving uh, Richard Nixon money through Clawson, another guy named Clawson, which is a middleman, that was getting that 500000 500000 to shut people up about that Watergate scandal back then. You know, so they had their claws in the cookie jar, you know, long before that, too. You know, they had their claws in there to, to finance Vegas, Las Vegas, the casinos and everything. You know, Hoffa was behind all of that, too. Yep. You know? So yeah. it, it goes it's deep. It's really, really deep. And, and Hoffa was probably trying to have something to do with the drugs coming in from Cuba, too, through that, uh, when they came out with that RICO Act, uh, uh, Kennedy's came out with the RICO Act. That's what they was beefing about, too. You know, so it was a whole lot of things going on through Hoffa and, and the presidents of the United States, you know. So that's bigger. Yeah. That's why the state troopers told me they might. It's bigger than the both of us, man. If I were you, I'd leave that alone. I'd be floating down the river here well, first. You know? I got to tell you, Michael, I've done a lot of research on the uh, organized crime in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, when the mob controlled the casinos. And uh, if it weren't for the Teamster Pension Fund money, that uh, he supplied or had his union supply, uh, there might not have been a Las Vegas. I mean, it, they, it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been. It had padlocks on them down there a long time ago. So the underworld yeah, is so, really the underworld. I don't know how I stumbled into the underworld, man. But I, I, if I could do it all over again, I'd turn around from Tower Two Hundred Three Hundred and go the other way. If I could do that all over <laughs> again, I hate I hate the day that I, huh? I was just thinking that that day you went there and you turned the wrong way off the escalator. Uh, when the security guard told you to turn one way and you turned the other. I turned and, the and, other way. And, yeah, that's why right. did why did I do that? I don't know. I don't know why I did that. It was just right down the escalator. I mean, my mind. I mean, it was a brand new building, of course, and. You know, I, the directions, like I said, when you come in from upstairs there, it looks like you're going one way, but you're going the other way. It took me a while to figure that building out. It's so complicating. You go in there, you'll get lost. You can't you can't find your way out. It, you got to ask somebody, how do you get out of here? Even <laughs> even today, I have to ask somebody, how do I get out of here? <laughs> you know, because it's so confusing. You know, it's like a big circle in the Renaissance. Yes. Thing. 
It's a big circle. Uh, like. You know what? Uh, just just a thought that just came to my mind about trying to pressure the FBI. Obviously, uh, if any of uh, our listeners would, would want to call the Detroit FBI or maybe send an email or something uh, asking them to uh, to pursue your information. Uh, the other thing I'm I'm wondering, Michael, just as as a thought, um, if if you went to the the people, the the two state troopers and your relatives and in laws uh, that you told three, about three, this, three three state troopers, three. I three said two, but at first it was three. Three. If you went to them, uh, those people, there's probably what eight all told, probably seven, eight, nine of them, whatever. Uh, and ask them to write out a statement, you know, about what happened and uh, and get it notarized, go to the bank or wherever and, and get their signatures so it's a notarized form, notarized affidavit, if you will, and and sent them. I, I don't want to, I don't want to see you locked up, so I'm not saying go to the FBI office, but 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 right. get them to the FBI. I don't know if that would help add to the you know, to any pressure on them or not, but uh, it, it appears after all this time they're not going to interview these people. So it, it kind of... Well, see, that's not going to happen because those very people that you're talking about said that they're, they're referring me to the FBI as well. You know, they don't want to have any... They don't have jurisdiction over anything. They, so they don't want to... Even though they're retired now, all three of them, they, at the time, when they were lieutenants and stuff, they didn't have jurisdiction over this case so they didn't want to jeopardize their job and and right now as we speak now they don't want to touch it they don't want to have anything to do with the Hoffa case matter of fact they told me to leave it alone well yeah it's a tough situation hopefully uh we can get some uh, uh listeners to to do something you know uh, regarding contacting the FBI or uh uh, one way or the other, you know, by phone or by email. Uh, and it would be nice if uh, somebody from the media uh, would take an interest and maybe get, I, you know. I can't uh, even get the mainstream media to do it, to touch it. You know, they, they look at me like I'm well, crazy, man. I'm going to I'm gonna keep my thinking cap on and see if I can uh, think of anything else. Uh, if I do, I'll run it by you, you know. Uh, yeah, let you yeah know. I try. I try uh, Globe, you know, magazine. They 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 didn't want to touch it, but they could put an article in their in their in their paper saying that Hopper was was found in a in a in a in a garbage uh, uh, one of those barrels or something. You know, yeah. they can put that they can put that garbage in there in their papers, but they can't put the truth in there. You know, I'm uh, telling them the truth, and they can't even put that in there. Michael, we. We're almost out of time here. Let me ask you this uh, in closing. Do you have a, a website or a social media page or anything that people can go to for more information? Yes, yes. They can go to, for one, they can go to the gangsterreport.com, uh, type Google uh, Hoffa hit, and it's going to say prison guard says. Click on that, and it'll tell the whole story, my whole story. Or they can find... Uh, more information of, of, on my Facebook page. Uh, I'm trying to put together a movie, hoping that I put together this movie and get it financed. Maybe they'll do something. Somebody will hear me that way. 
but I got to get a hundred thousand dollar minimum budget for that. And I got I got one investor willing to put up a million dollars on the on the maximum budget, but they want me to show some type of seriousness and come up with this hundred thousand dollars and do a sizzle. And and I, I got Sony Distribution. I got a Sony Distribution deal on the table with a producer out of Philly that's willing to walk the uh, sizzle into Sony, and they'll pick it up. You know, the executive producers and everything will come on board at that time. But other than that, I'm still strapped for cash, man. I, I can't find anybody to invest in my movie. I can't find enough money to write the script or a book, you know, as far as all that goes. I had a guy wanted to write the book. He got spooked and didn't want to write it anymore. You know. <laughs> uh, and you have a, what is the uh, it's benchmark productions? Yeah, benchmark productions. Uh, you can go to Facebook and click on benchmark productions LLC, and you'll see uh, a lot of the bits and pieces of things that I'm going to put together as far as benchmark murders is concerned. The Hoffa, the Hoffa story is going to be one of the eras that I encountered in my film. It's going to be three years of gangsters all the way back to Al Capone's days, uh, on up to Hoffa's days, and on into YBI, Young Boys Incorporated days here in Detroit. All these people were gangsters, and I grew up around all these people. I chose not to do what they did. I went I went on, kept going to college and got my degree and got a career job and retired. All of those people, I ended up seeing them in prison. I was their officer, or even their dad. I know, <laughs> you know, and a lot of them was my relatives, you know, but see, Young Boys Incorporated is responsible for over 100 murders here in, in Detroit. So I can't mention any names or anything like that, but I know who, who was around doing stuff back then in the 80s and 70s and 80s. You know, I was right there. Oh. You know, how, how can you not be right there? You're your relatives and your friends. Yeah. You know? Uh, unfortunately, Michael, we got to wrap it up here. We're out of time. Uh, thanks so much okay. for being here and sharing your story. And well, I hope we you can find you somebody, Jenny, that can help me, man. You know? Well, That's my we'll, we'll main object for coming to you. That's my main purpose we'll for keep... coming to you. Like I said, I got a federal, uh, I got a private eyes willing to come down here to Detroit and do a search, non-intrusive search. And I, But I need the media to back me on getting them to come up here and an attorney. I can't find an attorney. I got an attorney one willing to willing to go ha- go in with me on the film. But he wants another attorney, an uh, entertainment attorney, to, to write a note saying that he's going to get a percentage out of this film. And I talk, call my entertainment lawyer. He said he don't do stuff like that. He don't, he don't, he don't write notes because he, he got to back that in his office. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at right now today with my film. You know? Okay, well, I, I'm, 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 I'm an ex-actor, too, as well. I've been in several movies, so I'm an actor as well. well that's what I do in my part-time. Uh, I'll keep in touch with you for anything I find, and I'll keep uh, keep an ear and an eye open Evergreen. to see what I can do. Oh, I don't know about that down there. Okay. Thank Somebody you, Michael. Question: I forgot I was on the air. Uh, okay. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day, and I'll be in touch. Okay, uh, I hope so, Denny. I'll be looking forward to hearing from you again. Okay, Michael. Thanks again. Bye bye. Thank you. And thanks Bye-bye. to all, thanks to all our listeners for being with us. And until next time, stay safe.